We don't need that electronic thing anyway. We'll use this electronic thing. Uh, as I said, the more the, the Morrises had planned to be with us today, but it didn't work out for them to come. We'll try to have them with us again sometime ne next year. Um, what I would like for us to do with the uh, short, short amount of time that we have this morning, uh, if you'll you'll see on the inside of the, bull, uh, of the bull, bulletin there, uh, a sermon entitled The Mer Mercies of God, and I have a couple of passages there for you. If you'd like to turn to uh, Romans chapter 12, we're actually going to be in it, begin in the chap chapter before. I just wanted to say one thing. Uh, 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 I, I know that the youth group and Bruce will be giving their, their report in a few weeks when they can get it all put together. And I'm really looking forward to getting to hear about their trip to Mexico City. Uh, quite a few folks in the group, it was their first trip out of the country, and uh, they had a great time. We, we all had a great time. and uh, So I, I won't be a part of that report, so I'm going to give my report right now in about two minutes. And I, I, I just want you to know that... Um, Bruce did a great job of bringing this group to get, to get together. These uh, kids are in the youth group together. When you get ready to take a nine-day trip, there's something a little bit different. And, and Bruce did a great job of all the, the meet meetings ahead of time and giving them information. And everything went smooth, smooth, smoothly. The only hiccup we had was me. And, and, and so that was a good thing, you know. Um, um, but anyway, I just wanted you to know that uh, Bruce is doing a great job with those kids. He did a great job of getting them ready to go on this, this, this trip. They were well, well prepared. And also, when you're together for nine days and working from early in the morning till way after dark, you know, you get tired. And when you're at over twice the ele elevation and you're in an unusual culture, things sound different, they smell different, there's noises all night long, the food is different. It was great, though, wasn't it? The food was great. But, but it's, everything is di different. Uh, you know how in your home, how when things aren't the way they ought to be sometimes or the way you're used to, you get on edge, and you know how you kind of fuss at each other sometimes? None of that took, took, took place this entire trip. So anyway, I, I was just amazed. I just want you to know if one of your chil children went, they, they were uh, amazing. Um, their lead, leader was ama amazing. He had them prepared. And the kids really had a heart to serve. And you, you, you could see it throughout the whole, even when they got tired. Now, when they got a chance to, they'd lay down. They'd be sleeping about one minute, you know. But we would wake, wake them up and we'd go again. Uh, the unusual thing about this trip or that's not usual is they worked all morning long until lunch, which was about 2 or 3 in the afternoon, then they had a one-hour break, and then they went out and visited with folks from about 4 until 5.30. Without a break, then we started another meet, meeting at the church from 5.30 till about 8.30. And so you, usually we work in the morning, take a little break, work in the afternoon, and then we're off in the e evening. So they worked all day long. And, and uh, anyway, they were just, just a great group. I couldn't say enough about them. Of course, being the oldest guy in the group, um, I told him, just call me Uncle Mark. You know, that'll do. We had a great time. If you would look at uh, Romans chap chapter 12, I, I, um, uh, we're going to look at a very familiar pat passage today, <clears throat> but I would like for us to consider some things. Um, we're going to be lo lo looking at verses 1, one and 2 of cha chapter 12. Everybody in this room can quote these two ver verses from me memory. 
and, and we'll get to those in a, min- in a minute, but uh, in the first verse it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. And, that, and that's where we're going to go to in a minute. But before we start there, I want us to talk a little bit or look a l- little bit about what Paul said to these believers in Rome about um, God. At the end of chapter 11, he finishes up that chapter having talked about the fact that the Jews were disobedient. They rejected the Messiah when he came. Uh, Paul called that disobedience. He said because of their their, their disobedience, then the gospel was taken to the Gentiles. That's most of us in, in this room. And he said it was take, taken to the Gen, Gentiles because of their di- disobedience, we were shown mer- mercy by God. But then we responded to that mer- mercy, because, but he didn't leave the Jews out. They just rejected it at that time. But as you can see in verse thir- 31, so these also, the Jews, now have been disobedient that because of the mercy shown to you, they also might be shown mercy. 32, for God has shut up all in disobedience so that he may show mercy to all. And in, in other words, nobody gets away with being di- disobedience. Ne- neither the Jew nor the gen- 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 neither the Gentile, neither the Jew nor the Gentile, but he has shown mer- mercy to both groups. Though both have been shut up in, di- di- in, in di- disobedience, he has also shown mer- mercy to both. Okay? Now verse thir- 33. He then declares... O the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. God is so wise and so knowledgeable in the way that he handled the rejection by the Jews, but but, but yet will accept them, will will show mercy to them, and at the same time us Gentiles. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. Then he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, which is a great chapter. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who became his counselor? In other words, who is it that told God how to deal with this situation with his creation? Those that rejected him and those that accepted him. Who, Who told God how to do it? As we go back to verse 26, it says, So all Israel will be saved. Okay? They may have rejected him. And so he, they, he took the, me, the, the, the message came to us, gen, gen, us Gentiles, but, the, but the, the, the act of mercy on God's part is still for the Jews. And he said the Jews will be saved. And then he quote, quotes an Old Testament passage. So who told God how to do it? Did you or me, anybody human? No, nobody told him how to do it. Or who first has given to him that it might be paid back to him again? Paul says, for from him and through him, and to him are all things. Or another way we could say this is, he's the source of everything. Who is the mer- merciful one? Who's the source of mer- mercy? It's God. And what is the the result of his mer- mercy? A way for men to be saved. A way for men to spend eternity with him. Not just not just us Gent- Gentiles, but also the 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 the, the Jews. So he God is the source of everything. He's the guide of everything, and he's the goal of everything. Now, we'll, we'll look, look at this and how it relates, because Paul says then in verse 1 of chapter 12, this is the God I'm talking about. 
the one who, whenever the Jews rejected the message of salvation, he took it to the Gentiles. But his plan was all all along was to redeem, redeem the Jews. So both groups get to see that God does not condone and allow disobedience. But to those who believe and become obedient, they're given life in his son, Jesus Christ. And he says that this is a display of God's mercy. So this is the God that he's talking about. He says in verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable for God, which is your spiritual service of of worship. I want us to concentrate on the phrase, by the mercies of God. I therefore urge you, brothers. Now if you have the King James Version, it says, I beseech you. Brothers, several of the other versions use the word urge. But he says, therefore, because we know this about God, therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now, he mentions it being a merciful thing that God showed his mercy to the Gentiles and also his mercy is shown to the Jews. So he's shown his mercy to all men. But he says, I urge you by those mercies. So if we were to take time this morning, if we had the time, we could get us a board up here and we could start to be, we could begin to list the mercies of God that Paul's think, think, thinking about because it's by those mercies that he urges us. It's because of the mercies of God. It's not anything that's good about us. It's because of him that we are urged to present our bodies a living sacrifice to him. So if we were to make that that list of mercies, what are some of the things we might think think of? Well, I put down four that I want us to look look at this this morning, but we could probably make a list of 10 or 20 things easily that we would consider that that we would consider merciful acts of God, displays of his mer- his mercy toward mankind. There's all kinds of things. The, the fact that we, this is not on my list, but the fact that we can talk to him, is that a display of his mer- mercy? Of cor- course it is. He, he is God. Now, I listened to a couple of your ch- children yesterday on the airplane. There was one sitting in front of me and one sitting behind me, and I, I could hear some of them. And they were visiting with pa- passengers on the plane that were sitting ne- next to, and they were talking to them about their faith in, in, in the Lord and what they'd been doing in Me- Mexico City. And it just so happened that I remember one of the guys said, you know, I, I just don't believe that. Well, okay, but does that make God any less God? No, because God has done his work in that young, per, per, young, in that young, per, 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 in that young person's heart. And they're convinced. They know. They believe because they know what God's done in, in their heart. This is the God who created all things. He's the one that everything comes from. He's the one that everything goes through. And he's the one that everything eventually goes back to. And so Paul says, I urge you, brothers, by those mercies of God. I've listed four of them that I want us to look look at. And the way things go, we'll probably only get point one today on that sheet. So so we'll do the others another time. It's, It's no big deal. As we look at his mer- mercies that are dis- displayed, one of the ones that I thought, th- thought of that I'd look for us to look, like for us to look at the scripture this morning is God's desire for the salvation of men. Whenever Paul talks about, I urge you by the mercies of God, 
You know, that, that is one of, that, perhaps that is the most significant mer- mercy that God has shown is his desire. You know, it's, it's not just, it's not a lit list of things. If you do this, I'll look at your application. And if you're good enough and you've done enough things, then I'll let you in. That, that's not it. We're talking about the God who came up with the plan to redeem man, mankind. And we'll, we'll look at that in a minute or we'll, 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 we'll look at those things now. But I think that one of his mercies that's displayed for us is his desire for the salvation of men. If you looked at John chapter 3, the reason I like to look at Scripture so much is then I don't have to say much. <laughs> Less of Mark and more of the Word is a good thing. Chapter 3, verse 14. It says here, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So even must the Son of Man be lifted up. We know that refers to Jesus being crucified, right? To redeem mankind. So that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world, this plan that He came up with is an evidence of, of how much He loved the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let's go to 1 Timothy. We're thinking of God's, the displays of God's mercy, one of them being his desire for the salvation of his creation. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Isn't that exciting? That's why our young folks were doing what they were doing this last week is because they believe that when God says he desires for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's why we share the truth with, with, uh, with our folks because... God desires that men be saved. Let's go to Titus chapter 3. This is a good one. It's hard, hard to get around. It's hard to miss the d- displays of his mer- mercy whenever we read things like this. Titus, Titus chapter 3 verses 4 and 5. And we'll come back to these verses later on too. But let's read them right now. Verses 4 and 5. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind kind appeared... He did what? He saved us. Look, when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. Whose righteousness would that have been? How good Mark is, right? Yeah. But according to what? According to His mercy. He saved us according to his, mer- mer- his mercy. He didn't leave it up to us to be good, good enough. There's a, there, there's a song that the choir has sung a couple times over the years. That the words are, what kind of love is this? That, that's the t- title of the song. Second Peter 3, verse 9, another very familiar verse. You might want to write, write it down. I'm going to go ahead and read it. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So one of the displays of God's mercy, I believe, 
is his desire for the salvation of men. Another one, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, another display of God's mercy that I think Paul is talking about here, we find in Ephesians chapter 2, very familiar verses, verses 4, 5, and 6. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he did what? He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Another one of the displays of God's mercies that I see here is the place that God has given us. Our place is where? End of verse 6. Raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. There's another old song that was written back in the early 70s. The, the, the first line of the song goes, keep look, looking down, you're seated in the heavenlies. You know, most people say, keep looking up. This song said, keep looking down because you're seated in the he- heavenlies. I think that's one of the, mer- the mercies that God, God has shown to us that is on di- display for us to see that his idea is that we're seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. That is our position with him. Okay, let's move, move, move on to the third, third one I have listed here. Another display of his mercy, I believe, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look back at Ephesians chapter 1. Just flip the page back to verse 13, verse 14. Two great verses. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation... Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So the idea here, I think, is uh, the Holy Spirit is another display of God's mercy in that he is the sealer. He's the one who seals us in Christ Christ. Jesus to a view of ultimately being redeemed as God's possession. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and we will be redeemed as those who are in his in his presence some someday. John 14 verses 16 and 17 says that he is a helper, that the spirit is a helper and that he is a, is the spirit of truth says that he'll guide us into truth. And John 14, verse 26, says that he is a teacher. The Spirit is a teacher. John 16, verses 13 through 15, say that he will guide us into the truth and he will disclose the things of God to us. Now, if we relate that back to the end of chapter Romans chapter 11, where it says, who, is, who has known the mind of God and who has become his counselor? None of us, but his desire and a display of his of his mercy toward us is that he has the spirit disclosing his heart and his mind to us who are his followers. We are his we are his children. And this is the one true God. But the one one true God has not said, just believe in me. He said, believe in me. I'll give you eternal eternal life. 
but I'll also disclose myself to you. In the book of Jer- Jer- Jeremiah, there's a great verse that, 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 that says that God desires that we know him and understand him. And that's the work, work of the Spirit. Another work of the Spirit uh, that's displayed for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a very familiar pat passage where he says you'll be witnesses of mine in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost part of the world and you'll have what? Power. So it's not left up to us to do it on our own. He gives us power through the Spirit to be his witnesses. In the last display of his mercy regarding the work of the Spirit is back in Titus chapter 3 if you look back there with me verses 5 and 6 and this will tie us back to Romans, Titus chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. And there's two, two displays of his, mer- his mercy here. Number one, by the washing of regeneration. How, how were we washed? By somebody, I see your lips. By the blood of of Jesus Christ, right? We were washed. The washing of regeneration has to do with our being cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and the removal of our sin by the blood of of Jesus Christ. But he displayed his mercy another way by what? In renewing by the Holy Spirit. Renewing by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a renewing agent. And we'll look at that again in just just a minute when we get back to Romans. The fourth thing that I wanted us to look at in regard to the mercies of God on display is the fact that there will never be any set separation. Um, If you go to 2 Corinthians, we are His. We're His forever. There will never be any set separation. One of our familiar verses in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. So if you're in Christ and if you're seated with Christ at the right hand of God or in the, he- in the heavenlies, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconcil- reconciliation. So we see his mercy on display when we read and understand that we are new creatures and he has, that he has made, made us and we'll never be separated from him. Go to Romans chapter 8 and read about that a little bit more specifically. Romans chapter 8 toward the end of the chapter, verse 38 I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present North, <laughs> Davis was sharing these two ver- verses with the guy behind me on the airplane ye- yesterday. Um, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to do what? Separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So none of those things. We are overwhelmingly con- con- conquerors through him. And in my mind, that's another display of his mercy and that there's no created thing that can set, separate us the last verse if you want to just write this down you all know these, these verses to Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6 
He says he will never fail us and he will never forsake us. So we see his mercy displayed to us in the fact that there is no separation from him. Once we become his child, we're his forever. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12. We'll spend our last few minutes looking at this together. So does that help? We have a little idea of what Paul means when he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God. When we take into account the mercies of God, I urge you by those mercies that we could recount all day long because of what he's done, because how merciful he is, because of that, I urge you to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. If, if God is that mer- merciful, and we looked at the ways that he shows his mer- mercy to us, do we lose anything if we present our bodies as a sac- sacrifice to him? Is there possibly anything that we we could lose by presenting our bodies to someone who is so merciful to us, who's already displayed that mercy and continues to display that mercy? Is there anything that that we could lose? We don't lose anything. In fact, we've already gained everything. Because he... uh, Remember the verse at the end of Romans 11? Everything comes from him. Everything goes through him. Everything returns to him. Guess what? Including us we eventually go to be with, with him. So there's nothing that we, we could lose because we've already gained everything in, in him. We've gained everything to live a life of God, godliness and we've gained everything to live in etern, et, eternity with him. Verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and per- perfect. Okay, we've gone too far now. I've got to, fin- I- I to fin- finish, so everybody hang on. Do not be conformed to this world. What does that, that, that look like? When Paul says do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, being conformed to the world, can believers be conformed to the world? If we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, how are we conformed to the world? With the same mind, it's the same mind that has the pro- problems, right? It is po- possible for us to be swayed by ungodliness, by worldly desires, uh, material things, self-gratification, desires, lusts, those kind of things that would control us, that could become our gods for a time, little, little g gods. There are those things, you know, uh, w- wanting more and more wanting to do more and more. There are those things that, that, that can get in the way. So Paul very wisely says, do not be conformed to this world and its ways, its lusts. It, oh, what does the scripture say about those lusts? They're going to pa- pass away. I mean, all that stuff go, goes away. So Paul says, instead of, uh, instead, instead of being conformed to, to the world, in our hearts and in, in our minds, he says, yet be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, who, who's the renewing agent? We talked the, the, the Holy Spirit. Remember, we looked at that in Titus chapter 3, verse, verse 6. By his mer- mercy, we're renewed by the, by the Spirit, Spirit of God. Okay. It's an ongoing thing because the lure of the world is ongoing. Then the renewing of our minds by the Spirit is going to be on, ongoing. As we 
digress and begin to follow the way of the world, the Spirit convicts us of sin or what our lifestyle is like. He's the one who transforms our our minds. Now, what's the result? What what is the purpose in all this? The the purpose of all this is the second half of of verse 2, so that you may prove what the will of God is. How's God's will proven? According to what Paul says here, the God's will is proven by what happens through us, what happens in us. He says they may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We are, our lives are the proof of God's will. Do you see what it says here? Our lives are the proof of God's will. That's why it's so important that Paul would say to us, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is an ongoing thing for us. Okay? Sin is going to creep creep in. We're going to follow our our own ways. The Spirit's going to convict us. He's going to renew us. It's an ongoing thing. But what the world should see as this ongoing growth is taking place is the will will of God. We are the proof of God's will. It's seen through us, transformed minds and lives that have become holy sacrifices. Also, it says here, it's talking about a life that is proving what the the will of uh, of God is. Let, let, let's look at some things that might help us out a little bit. Turn to Colossians chap, chapter 1. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1. Verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Here's what for. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of the Lord. So what are some characteristics of a life that is proving, is living out the will, will of God? It's a life that is walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay? We'll, we'll stop right, right there with those at the, at the end of verse 10. Those are exa- examples of what a life is being lived that is pro- pro- proving the will, will of God. Um, you know, when it comes to missions emphasis sun, sun, Sunday, we always want to throw in Matthew chapter 28, right? And that's a familiar thing, verse 19 and 20. What, is, what does verse 19 say? It starts out with the word all. The next word is authority. The next word is has. <laughs> okay, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And he goes on on to say, you shall be, no, says, what does it say? Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. I'm sorry? Go, therefore, right? As you are going, make disciples. As we go, making disciples, we prove what the will of God is. Okay, let's go back to Rome, Romans chapter 12. 
the reason that we would want to be living proof of what God's will is is because he's been so merciful to us. The end of verse 2. That which is good can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The will of God is good, good for whom? If we are living proof of the, of the will of God, who is the will, will of God good for? It's good for us, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, would, would he have us do anything that wouldn't be good, good for us? If we're li, li, living proof of the will of God, that which is good and accept, acceptable or well-pleasing ple, to God and per, perfect, per, perfect how? Perfect in what? I think maybe it's the will of God being per- perfect in its outcome, in what we see and what the the world sees. And I just wrote a couple of notes down down here. Uh, when God's, if we're living proof of God's will, and it's good from what we see and what the world sees, and acceptable from what God sees, and it's per- perfect. God's per- perfect will, if we are living in God's per- per- perfect will, we are going to be matured. Uh, others, I think, are going to be drawn to his light. And then I think he is going to be glorified in it all. The reason I think he's glorified in it all be- is because that's what his will is. And the reason I think he's glorified in it all as we're matured and others are drawn to him, the reason I think he's glorified in it all is because verse 36 of the previous chapter says everything comes from him and everything returns to to. To him. So as we look, look at these two verses, just to finish up here, Paul says, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, as you consider how merciful God is and all the ways that we could, could identify his mercy, because of that, when, when we realize how merciful he is, all the ways that he displays his, mer- his mer- mercy, he says, I urge you then to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice because of his mercy acceptable to God, and that's what a living and holy sacrifice is. That is a definition of of a sacrifice that's acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or rational or reasonable service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, even though we're living in the middle of of this world. Don't be conformed to it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the reason that we would be transformed constantly by the renewing of our minds is so what? We can display what the will of God is. We see his mercy on display all around us and in us for our behalf. And so our natural, reasonable response is to become a display of his will. And as we display his will, as we prove his will, we are matured, others are drawn to his light, and he's glorified in everything. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the simplicity of your instruction to us. And Father, we thank you that you know us well enough to know that we sometimes tend to go our own way. And Lord, we thank you for your spirit that draws us back, that convicts us of our sin. And Father, shows us what true righteousness is. And Father, it's amazing that um, 
you would choose us to be vessels for your service, to be instruments that would cry forth, would take forth the message of your love for mankind that you're not willing that any would perish, that you were willing to sacrifice your son, that his spilled blood would redeem us from an eternity away from you. Father, we thank you for all these ways that you show your mercy to us. And Father, it is reasonable that we would give ourselves to you wholly because of what you have done for us and done on our behalf. Father, I just ask that you continue to remind us of this as we live our lives each day. And Father, that you would give us a glimpse of what it means to be your ambassador. Father, to be the proof of your will in this world. Father, that as we live out your will in our lives, we ask you, Father, that you would draw more to yourself. So when the day comes, you are ultimately glorified by all those that are around your throne. Father, we look forward to that time when representatives from every language, every people group, every nation on this planet will be all together praising you. Lord, until that time, we do not take it lightly what you have called us to do. Father, we do want to be ambassadors to this world, to show the world what your will is, to show them your love, to give them the message of hope and life in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the opportunity to serve you in this way as a church and for being able to send others out to do that also away from this place. Father, it's hard to understand just how much you love us and how merciful you are, but we thank you for giving us a glimpse and for calling us to be your children. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.